This program was made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from This Week in Blackness, Inkwell MV on YouTube, Radio Dispatch, Stuff Mom Never Told You, and Totally Biased with W. Kamau Bell. Now, I sure hope you are listening to this because you actually want to and not just as an excuse to ignore street harassers, though that would also be very understandable. There's a new study that that has come out recently that shows that two-thirds of women in the U.S. have been street harassed. 65% of women say they've experienced street harassment at some point in their lives. More than half experience verbal harassment and 41% experience physical aggression. Yeah, that's about right. And I'm assuming that when they said uh, uh, the, the one-third that has been sexually harassed probably just does, uh, 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 doesn't uh, suffer from street harassment, probably just doesn't live in cities. They don't go, out, they don't go outside. <laughs> they don't, I mean, well, uh, they just don't walk. Yeah. <laughs> they, don't walk they go from, uh, uh, they drive their car from their house uh, to a, a, a place with parking, and they go directly into the building and then back out. This is something, I, 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 and, and dudes are out here arguing against this. Yeah. And I like like I, most women I know because I've grown up. I grew up in the city, uh, and then I, I and I moved out here, and then like just people I interact with. Most women I know have suffered from street harassment, and they and especially when you start to have uh, uh, conversations with women. If you ever don't believe about street harassment, walk up to one of your uh, your lady friends and go, "Hey, what are your top three uh, 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 methods of stopping street harassment when you're walking down the street?" Like, watch this, Amani. What is your top three methods of stopping street harassment when you walk down the street? I never leave the house without headphones. I don't make eye contact. I wear sunglasses. And if someone says something to me, I give it, hmm, and I keep moving. Keep it moving. That, she had those, she rattled those off. So she ha- also, she also, she's forced to wear a football helmet with a shaded visor to walk down <laughs> the street. Essentially, she told me she was a football helmet. And I want to be clear here. It wasn't like, that, that was I didn't plan this before. I said, Imani, I'm going to ask you this question. I just knew that if I asked somebody a question, Imani would have a bunch of reasons. Because every woman I know has this problem. And they have solutions that they've come up with that do. I have been, the, uh, the, uh, 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 and this, this has been uh, said to be a problem uh, as well. But I've had friends use me as their buffer against other dudes. Because dudes are so freaking aggressive that they won't just accept I'm not interested in you. They have to see another dude there. Yep. But, oh, my bad. My bad, player. And they'll apologize to me. Not the woman they think they're harassing, but they'll apologize to me. This is real. This is like a, this is what actually happens. I've had to do this. Like if I like like I, because I have so many uh, women friends. I actually there's like a, a like a, a like a signal like like at a, if we're at a bar or a club like that. I mean I li- I live in Berkeley and I I garden now so I don't go to the club anymore. But when I used to go, <laughs> when I used to go, like they're like they, like if I looked over to at a friend and they get and they, they would have the look just like like a certain look like or a nod. I would walk over and just put my arm around their other shoulder so the dude would stop because they wouldn't let the woman be just chill. But women aren't. The Dealing with her, oh, I, 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 I. Yeah. that's my official statement on that. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, two thirds of women, and yet it's not a problem. Yeah. It's not really an issue. It's also a problem among LGBT, um, the LGBT community, because oh, LGBT God. men are more likely to be harassed by other men, and usually with homophobic and transphobic slurs. Yeah, the vast majority of harassers of both genders are men. And blacks and Latinas are more likely to be harassed than whites. You know, you know in my mind, I don't. I, I never thought about the idea of what happens when um, 
like when like when when LGBTQ folks uh, walk down the street because in my in my mind I I guess I I don't think of it I didn't think of it as street harassment I thought of it as harassment and like like, like I, I would even argue like like hate speech like like when you're like yelling at stuff or whatever but like I never put it in the same category as just street harassment I mean it makes sense it makes sense but I never thought about that no I've, I like I and you see stuff like that happen and I and I know for me personally I've been like in situations where like I like one like I've seen something happen and I'm like I'm gonna step in this and then you're like I'm about to get into a fight right here mm-hmm. because this is not going to be something that's like like a simple like could you could you could you not do that because because like people get froggy I've 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 been with a woman and I didn't say something and dudes got froggy with me just because they thought I was about to stand in front of them yeah like it's like dudes it's they don't they aren't your property <laughs> like I don't know how this is the dumbest thing I think I've ever I've said like women are probably like, why are we this is I don't under. This doesn't make sense, and people won't admit it's happening. We can't even d- deal with this, uh, deal with the problem because most people. I mean, I'm, I'm, okay, I won't say most people, but a lot of people will derail the conversation because it doesn't occur. Yeah, they'll do. I had one person in my Twitter feed yesterday argue that the data of this study was corrupt. Like the fact that women said, "Hey, I've been street harassed," somehow is a data point that that was that that was not feasible. And then I have I had a ridiculous conversation with someone on Twitter a couple of weeks ago who when I tweeted something about you know after that the Roger shooting I tweeted something about and this is why women have ways of dealing with things like fake boyfriends fake phone numbers fake wedding rings and this guy proceeded to have literally a four-hour argument with me I tapped out in the first 20 minutes four-hour argument with with me about how giving out fake numbers is cruel and how he had his feelings hurt multiple times by women who gave out fake numbers and that really giving out fake numbers isn't safe because what if you give out a fake number to an unstable person and then they come and find you later? And I'm thinking to myself, since when is an unstable person going to take a polite no as an answer? This guy thought, you know, you kind of owe it to the people who are asking you for your phone number to politely reject them. Like, what? I'm sorry. If I'm giving you a fake number, it's usually because it's gotten to the point where I've said I'm not interested or no or I have a boyfriend. I've tried all of my other mechanisms and you're still persisting and I want to get the heck away from you. And so I'm giving you a fake number so I can get the hell out. I'm not worried about your feelings. I'm not worried that you're going to get home and dial this number and be like, oh, it's the weather channel. I don't care. I don't care. You're concerned that women aren't going to call you back. Women are concerned that you're going to kill them. Should be together. Take this love I long to give you. I'll be at your side forever. Call me. Don't be afraid. You can call me. You see me, a woman on the street, brown, silky legs, small breasts, long, curly hair, in a sundress, jeans, sweatshirt, doesn't matter. You don't remember me. You don't even know me. But I know you, and I know what's next. You grab my arm. You turn around and stare. You say, Hey, shouty. Smile. (sighs) Damn, sexy, you got a fat ass. Leave me alone, man. Where you going? Leave me alone. I see you on the phone, but can I interrupt you for a minute? I'd fuck the shit out of that. Oh, you don't speak. Well, fuck you then. I'm sorry, Nana. Yeah, I'm still here. 
Yesterday, I think you remembered me because you called me sister when I was wearing my dashiki. But today, you call me sexy and wait for me to respond with a blush. You expect me to feel honored by your recognition. But sexy is not my name. So then you ask, what's your name? Like it matters. After all, a body doesn't need a name, does it? My name is Lucy, and it means light. My name is Tarif. It means history in Tigrinya. See, I was born in a time of war. Eretra was fighting for its independence. My name is Jasmine, with a Z, not an S. My name is Kendall, and it means ruler of the Bright Sun Valley. My name is Malaika, it means messenger of God. My name is Nuela. It's Gaelic. My mom named me to mark the Irish in me, she said. Dad approved. He called me the New Whaler. Because you were born after Bob died. Where am I going? To class. Stayed up all night writing this paper, getting these exams. So hard to grade exams when you don't believe in what grades stand for. And often omit. Where am I going? To a better place. A place where I can walk down the street and smile. Not to please you or to invite you. But because I'm happy. Just because I'm happy. I'll walk. Silky brown legs, small breasts. Hair down my back. And a heart beating to Zydeco and Cape Verdean beats. And a heart beating Tigrinya, Yemane Baria beats. Comfortable. Comfortable. This response in my head is not what you come to hear and not what I care to share, so I silently shake my head, walk by you, half smiling, half polite, half enraged. Do you see neither? You see a brown body, silky legs, ignoring you. Bitch. Sexy. A bottle crashes and the damage is done, but the brown body walks on, and I'm somewhere else, in a better place, leaving you behind. The air whispers, This is your home, too. I know your name. Walk on. So I do. If being me is easy from where you stand, seeing it's believing from where I am. Try being me if you think you can. You think I got it easy. My idea years ago was that because so many men think that there's no difference walking alone if you're a woman and walking with a man if you're a woman, to record either through video or through audio four, five, six women of varying age, race, class, presentation, you know, sort of class signifiers. Mm -hmm. 
and to record all of them over the course of a day and to show my 99% likely hypothesis was that all of those women would get near constant street harassment regardless of whether they were wearing a low-cut top mm-hmm. or what whatever sort of other apologies or explanations that men offer for like well you could change if it wasn't so so yeah that was my idea was to have uh in a, a full range of of women across all kinds of different spectrum uh spectra and record them for a day and then compile all of the street harassment that they get into a, a sort of one-day survey of a broad swath uh, of New York City. Yeah. That's not what this viral video did. Yeah. And what this viral video did that is getting really widely shared, and it, it I mean, it does, it's close, it's produced well, it's a, it's a woman walking around in jeans and a T-shirt, and a white woman, um, long hair, walks around New York City, and a person walk, a man walks in front of her with a camera in his book bag, so he can, so he's filming her, and she is has, uh, she's mic'd up basically, and it shows her walking around the city, and it shows people, you know, hollering at her, and it's a it's a hidden camera, hidden camera, right, yeah. and it shows how many people, you know, say, hey baby, how you doing? Hey mommy, smile. Why why don't you smile? All that it's being very very widely shared and and i think you know with with good reason it's being shared a lot of people saying you know like a lot of women saying anecdotally i'm seeing mostly white women who are sharing it but who are saying this is exactly what it's like to walk around the city men don't realize and a lot of men sharing it and being like wow i had no idea Mm -hmm. and that's great and that's exactly what like should happen in conversations about street harassment however what is the big problem with this video is that it's one woman and it's it's a white woman and she's walking around new york city and and almost all of the men who are featured are black men or latino men yeah there are a, a couple of guys who look like they're possibly white but the the vast majority of men in this video are black and latino and obviously that's a big problem because you're centering street ha- street harassment around white women and centering harassers as black and latino men and it's just such an easily avoidable problem because guess what you know if you're a black woman and you walk around new york city you get yelled at too Mm -hmm. you're a latino woman you walk around new york city you get yelled at too there's just so many i think simple ways they could have by including more women right by including trans women um by including you know maybe women who who have a i don't know non-typical or or, um you know slightly different gender presentation like just including the perspectives of different women and you know maybe the producers are like come on give us a break but it's like there is a history of of valuing the white woman's you know safety against the black predator right Uh like a black male predator and and you know, even with the best of intentions, if that's what Hollaback and the other people who produce this video have, you cannot avoid playing into that that history. And as Prison Culture points out in an essay that uh, she wrote back in 2013, back I think during the mayoral race, because she's quoting um, Christine Quinn, there was a Hollaback, the same anti-street harassment organization that was part of this video, was like developing an app to report street harassment and partnering with the city council and the NYPD and prison culture was saying, listen, 
any feminist solution that is relying on Christine Quinn, you know, and, and the NYPD. These are the, this is the same NYPD who profiles people based on their race and gender. Like, this is absolutely not the answer to your street harassment. If this is your, the answer to your street harassment, what you're doing is facilitating the criminalization of black and Latino men. And this is a solution for a very select group of women. Right, right. Because it's very unlikely that if you're a trans woman, you'd be like, oh, yeah, let's get the police involved yes, in this. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Or if, yeah, if you're a black or Latino woman who lives in a, a community where you are more likely to have an, a negative, a negative association with the police, then the idea of being like, yeah, of course I want to be reporting my movements to the police is like, it's just very, very, very limited. Yeah. And if you're, uh, if you're a black woman with a joint in your pocket, Maybe you'd be like, you know what, I'm not going to do this. But right. if you're a white woman with a joint in your pocket, they're not going like, to search me. Yeah, what are they, yeah. why would they search me? I'm right. the victim here. Exactly. So that there's the prison culture piece, which again is from um, from a while ago. It's called Blinders and the Tyranny of Good Intentions: Street Harassment, Stop and Frisk, and Criminalization. Um, and also, I just want to read some tweets from Aisha Siddiqui. You may remember her as pushing hoops on Twitter, and she's wonderful. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. She's been on twice and on the live show. And I just want. To read a couple of her tweets that are being quite widely shared uh, and her take on this. Aisha says, a white woman filming and shaming black men for saying hi to her. Are you sure your gender equality doesn't look a lot like class and race anxiety? <laughs> Followed by a tweet, stop sharing that dumb video. <laughs> a lot more politics on that street than y'all seem concerned about. Or let me know when you take that camera around white men in suits. That was definitely one thing that is is notably absent from this video is maybe they went down to the financial district and kind of like yeah go to a bar in like, midtown or go, go to the financial district yeah. it's gonna have i've been it's just like the the video gives you the impression it, it's uh, it's working class men of color it's men sitting on the street you know yeah, sitting street on, vendors and not all street vendors but some yeah and 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 men you know sitting outside their stores uh, sitting on chairs on the sidewalk you know, those men are, somebody tweeted at Aisha, I think, it was like, those men are basically on their porch, like, you know, and, and framing, again, because that's, those are basically the people you see. It's working class, black and Latino men, you know, and if you were going to include them along with dozens and dozens of images of bros at a bar uh, and, and dudes in suits and, you know, white construction workers or what white, whatever, uh, white, white working class people as well, you know, then fine. But, but without that, you are, you are again, playing into a really, really negative history. Things we know, we just don't know. The things we know, we don't know. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, or Amazon.co.uk from the banner at bestofleft.com to shop at just one of the major companies with the insatiable profit incentive to help perpetuate the destructive paradigm of overconsumption and exploitative capital. 
capitalism. Better yet, go ahead and click through to the Amazon site that serves your country just once and then bookmark it to use every time you shop, which should be as rarely as possible. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7-8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whether that be rejecting consumerism altogether or at least consuming in a subversive way. The funny thing was when I heard, when I saw the video, because of course I've been following UOKSIS and all these other um, you know anti-street harassment initiatives, um, primarily helmed by women of color, uh, over the last several years, and they um, have had. You know, as soon as I heard people say like, hey, beautiful, or like even have a nice day, or, um, you know, something that's not even sexual or about her looks, but saying like, oh, have a good day today, things like that, I go, oh, they're going to latch onto those and be like, well, what's wrong with that? And the funny thing is like, um, even though we all have anxiety problems and some days we don't want to engage, there are days I have friendly days and I want to actually speak to people. And sometimes there's somebody um, who's a guy on a train or something else, and he looks like a reasonable person. He has, like, a kind, open face. He's trying to talk to me. Every now and then I'll take out a headphone and get in a conversation with him. And I swear to you that nine times out of ten, it ends in being sexually propositioned. It ends in um, something that he thinks is polite, but it's a persistent demand for my time, my attention. There's no way for me to get out of it once I've started talking to him. And there's no way for me to answer getting hit on that has um, a button on it. Um, you know, like, there's there's really, there are things that you cannot say. I'm gay is included in things you can't say because then it starts to turn horrible. But, like, the first, the first you know, um, can I have your number? No. Why not? I'm engaged. Well, you're not married. Okay, I'm married. No, you're not. Or, yeah, so am I. Or, so what? Or, what's your man got to do with me? Thanks for that song, by the way, you know. And <laughs> there's just, there's never an end. And so I'm just like, well, why would I engage? You know, I, I just don't want to, sometimes I want to talk. I want to have that human connection that some of these guys who allege that they're coming from a place of good faith want to have too. They're like, oh, you know, now nobody can talk to each other. Like what a horrible world you want it to be, horrible feminist. Well, look, oh. I mean, I'm not the one doing that. Yeah, that's madness. Like you're ruining it. <laughs> like flat out, that's madness. And it, it, and it annoys me a great deal because it's it's... It's just not how it is or how it works. And our feelings just aren't that important. Like, I, it's something that we say on the show all the time. Like, you're just not that damn special. And we say, and it's funny that we say, we, uh, uh, a lot of times when we uh, make that joke, we're talking about white folks. We're like, let's white people, you're not that special. But I feel like we're, we really have to like tell dudes, dudes, you're just not that special. Your words, your need to be acknowledged or for you to say something and have someone respond to you is not that much of a of a thing so so much more powerful than the need to feel safe walking down the street. Right, and like there, if you know that you can't get out of it, you know, like I won't go to a party if I don't have a ride home at all. I just won't do it because I am a person who wants an exit strategy. I like to be in control of that in my life. That's yep. how I feel in these conversations. You know, yep. I I don't want to get into it because there's no way. Like there's really no way. Because it, it turns ugly so fast and so often that it's just better for me not to do it. And you know who I talk to instead in public if I talk to anyone? Women. And I'm attracted to women. And you know what I manage not to do? Hit on them. Street harass them. Ever. <laughs> I don't. I've walked up to a woman and said, wow, that's a really beautiful outfit. Have a nice day. And she smiled that genuine smile, not the scared smile. And we all moved on. You know? 
My name's Kristen, and I run like a girl. I've been thinking about that phrase, run like a girl, a lot lately, even though I'm many years removed from the little girl running around outside her childhood home, because I feel like it embodies so much of the tightrope that girls are expected to walk across from a very young age. On the one hand, we tell girls that they can do anything, that they can be anything, that they can run as far and as fast as they want. But at the same time, there's that little hook to it. There's always that little hook of, you can run, but you're probably gonna run like a girl. Even today, in our society, your femininity is a liability. There's that constant reminder of the fact that they're gonna be doing things as a girl, as a woman, and they need to make sure that their intellect, that their ambition, that their sexuality, that, that nothing can be misinterpreted from them. They should be pretty, but not too pretty. They should be friendly, but not too friendly. They should be ambitious, but not too ambitious and threatening because people aren't really going to like them. When I set foot on a public sidewalk, there's a very good chance that I'm gonna get honked at, that I'm gonna get yelled at, that someone might even try to pull over their car and persistently yell at me until I give them some kind of attention. That's what it's like when you grow up to run like a girl. There's a really big difference between me going, let's say, running down a public sidewalk after dark and my boyfriend running down the same street after dark. If something happens to me, people are gonna be asking, why were you running after dark? What were you wearing? Where were you going? Don't you know any better? Whereas if something happened to him, they would probably say, oh my gosh, what terrible luck. But of course, the last thing that we should stop doing is running because I've noticed the more we talk about this kind of stuff, the more that phrase, like a girl, is being reclaimed and worn as a badge of honor to say, yeah, I'm doing this and I'm doing this like a girl. And do you realize how much more strength sometimes that takes? Take for instance Katherine Schweitzer, who in 1967 kinda snuck her way into the Boston Marathon because women were not allowed to run in the Boston Marathon. It wasn't even until 1984 that the Olympics started holding a marathon event for female athletes. And the irony of it all is that a lot of studies suggest that women physiologically are actually better built for those super long distance runs because of the way that our body fat is distributed that can fuel us and help us pace ourselves more consistently for long distance running. And is that really any surprise? Because symbolically, isn't that kind of what we've been doing? I've been living in New York for a few months now and I've noticed that there's a lot more catcalling and street harassment here than in San Francisco. 
So I took to the streets to ask people what's really going on. Take a look. We're here talking to people in New York about catcalling and street harassment. The guys are very aggressive. They tend to, you know, call at you like, hey, sexy mom, or some of them go as far as saying, how you call a cat? My girlfriend told me that one day she was walking down 8th Avenue and a guy walked up to her and said, hey, can I lick your legs? How does someone respond to that? <laughs> Probably not, yes. Oh, do you come around here often? Like, what do you do? Can I, like, meet up with you? And I'm like... He was trying to arrange to stalk you. Yes. The first guy who said, hey, baby, to me, I responded, hey. And he responded, I want to bleep you in your bleep. Uh, I have to admit, I'm trying to figure out what bleep was the bleep that he was going to bleep you in the bleep. Does, how often does it happen? It happens, like, every day. Every day? Yes. Every day. Yes, almost every day. All day. Every day. Every day. It happens, probably daily. Daily? Daily. If I were to stop and talk to every guy on the street, I wouldn't live my life. <laughs> I couldn't. And you'd only be about 20 feet from your house, it sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a waste of time to have to, like, in some instances, reroute my whole day. What are your thoughts about street harassment? I think street harassment is good, you know? Yo, you got cake for days, ma. I've seen you from somewhere before. They'll be like, <laughs> they start giggling, they start blushing, hair starts flowing, and the next thing you know, you have them or you want them. We've talked to some guys who, who claim that it has worked. In their mind, it works, you know. And then that's because they forgot to take their Lexapro or something. I think women need that. And why do they need that? makes them feel better about themselves. I think that a lot of women would say that it does not make them feel better about themselves. Okay. And by a lot, I mean 100%. So in all the ways that you rank to pick up a woman, you're, you want to let the men know that that's the worst way. I mean, next to like, kidnapping. I still feel like it's a good thing. You know, when I talk to women, they, they, they have better days, you know? I like it, a man who's not swayed by facts. What would you do to stop catcalling if you could do anything? Maybe I would, you know, give myself the eye vision when I just look at a guy and their mouth is like sealed shut. It can't say it, so it just. <laughs> what would you do to that guy? Snap my fingers and make him disappear. <laughs> just bam. <laughs> Some type of powerful electric shock to an area on their body that would just be really painful. So like, hey baby. Oh! Yeah. They should be branded. Oh, branded, like a yeah. scarlet letter. Yeah. And what are we going to do about these dudes? You a dude. Talk to your dudes. Okay, you all know, right, all right. have these conversations with your boys. Dudes, stop street harassing women. They think it's creepy. Get that creepy. And dudes who are harassing women in the streets, I suggest you try something like adult friend binder. The only person who can start a sentence, hey girl, is Ryan Gosling. If you think catcalling and street harassing builds up a woman's confidence, you're right. It makes them confident that you're a creep. Ladies, on behalf of all men, I'm sorry.
yesterday, the, uh, Lord Jamar actually posted a picture of Feminista Jones. I saw that. And told dudes, if you see her, make sure you go up to her and say hello and, and God bless you. Yeah, like you go, 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 go make sure you say hi to her. And I thought that was beyond over the line. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, essentially, you know, it was a very polite way of sicking however many of his thousands of followers on a woman as she's trying to navigate her way through life. It's just people are f- terrible. They're just terrible. And I saw people say, what? What? I'm just saying that people should say, tell her God bless you. Like, if you think saying God bless you, you street harassment, then blah, blah, blah. Just stop it. Stop being stupid. Stop acting like you, stop pretending like you, we're stupid. Because we're not stupid. We're not. We're not. We're not. <laughs> and this this happened like a lot. Like I like so he he does that. So he's he's sending people after from these Jones. Which I, also just the idea that 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 we have to play semantics. I really don't enjoy semantics uh, because like Twitter did nothing about this. So a dude that's forty, I think forty forty five thousand followers says post a picture of a woman. Says hey, make sure you go up to this woman in the street if you see her. And there is no recourse for that. Right. And I am horrified. So, like, I actually find say, like, this, his account should be suspended. He shouldn't be able to do this. And, of course, this got a, a lot of um, apparently hip-hop heads upset. So that X actually said that uh, if I was being real, son, I would have hollered at, um, at a, what's his name? Um, this Jamar guy. If I was being real, uh, instead of tattling uh, to the corporate cops. What? <laughs> tattling to the corporate cops? <laughs> Right, you put a woman in danger. I'd say you you shouldn't have your your account should be suspended. But I should have been like, "Hey, yo, son, why are you gonna do that to a sister like that?" <laughs> Let us have a conversation about the danger that you have just placed a woman in. Let us discuss this as opposed to you not being able to have this capability to put a woman in danger like that again. Let uh, let us discuss the safety of women in general. I am confused by this, mommy. Mm, as well you should be but I, I just I, I need more so like so the whole idea so we ended up doing uh, uh I, I started dudes uh greeting dudes hashtag which um like it was it was it was more of a gag because like like people keep saying and we keep talking about how um it's ridiculous like like you're obviously not just saying hello you're it's uh, it's more to it it's not just god bless you there's there's oh god bless you and then Girl, God bless you. Mm. That's a, there's a there's a difference right, in that. Right. And if you want to pretend that there's not a difference, I can't help that. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and and frankly, you know, <coughs> I don't think people understand how how many people women have on the streets trying to say hello to them, even if it's just a hello. It's a lot of people. Yeah. And it's annoying, even if it's just a hello. And like, if someone says hello, I'll say hello back. But you know, most of the time, I'd rather walk down the street and do what pe- do what men seem to do. It's like you know, they'll give each other a nod, you know, like acknowledging that there's someone crossing your path or you're walking by someone. Give them a nod. But honestly, if you don't look me in the eye and you just keep on walking, I'm perfectly fine with that. I live well, in my I live on a street. There is a like a congregation of men who hang out on the corner on the right. Like on the as I'm walking out the door, they're just congregating on the right side of my my apartment uh, my house. So every time I go outside to walk my dog, I look over there. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. I'm not. It's like walking a gauntlet of men. And I don't feel like walking a gauntlet of, of men who are just smoking weed and hanging out on buckets on the corner. So I go the other way and I have my headphones on. Usually I don't have anything playing in them, but I hear them trying to talk to me. I'm like, motherfuckers, you know, you see me with headphones on. It's not really about what you feel. I'm not even. I know. And I mean, and so, so 
this this is kind of ridiculous. And it's, the whole conversation's happened. And like I said, I've been uh, uh, basically attacked by myriad groups of folks that like I would have never even run into. I'm pretty sure I would, wouldn't be interacting with Sadat X, uh, although he has a place within hip hop history. Uh, if all of a sudden he didn't decide that I was uh, that he wanted to call me names because I said, "Hey, you're, you know, because you're, I, I said your friend uh, screwed up," but whatever. But What's been interesting is that like this comment, the conversation has uh, like kind of like blew up, and so like all of a sudden dudes getting dudes. There's like there's there's a bunch of articles right uh, been been written about this, uh, and uh, and uh, like a lot of conversations. Uh, one one particular conversation, it's been a, a smaller one, but it was brought up. Someone argued that the idea of dudes getting groups because I'll, I'll even I'll, I'll read uh, some of them to you because so that you understand uh, like what the guy what the idea of this is. Uh, so that like I said. Um, the whole the whole point of dudes greeting dudes was to mock the what these greetings are. So I gave examples. Uh, I, I said, dude, if dudes, if you feel society has lost its decency, let's bring it back. Let's start the dudes greeting uh, dudes movement. Let's say hi to each other. Which I mean, come on. Uh, I, I mean, these women don't get it. Y'all just want to say hi. What's wrong with hi? So let's leave them out completely. Then women will soon realize that they will they missed out, but it'll be too late. The women will walk in silence. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, because I mean, sometimes women need to walk in silence, right? Yeah. Like, just like, boy, you wearing that fitted? I mean, it's leaning all to the side. Can I be that hat? Oh God. Dudes being dudes. <laughs> what? What? Yo, 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 your son. God bless you. I mean, God bless your mama too. Dudes greeting dudes. <laughs> that's reasonable, right? I mean, it's like it's like it's just greetings. Just greetings. It's just greetings because it's not about sex or anything. We just want to say hi. Of course. And people have been very upset about this. Some people have been upset by it. Uh, but one particular thing, someone critiqued it saying that it was homophobic. Yeah. I disagree with this. But I'm also open to the conversation around it because, like, like I, I, I immediately, like, at first I looked at it and I, I kept looking, I kept looking at it, and I'm like, what? I don't see this. And there's some gay folks that were like, no, I think this, uh, this is hilarious or whatever. But if, if I am to follow the rule, that you can't tell people what they feel about about something. Mm-hmm. Fine. I cannot tell you that you can't feel that it's homophobic. I can make an argument why as to why it's not why I feel it's not homophobic, and hopefully, like, and and I and taking as much consideration around what people are saying around it. But the whole mechanic of the gag is that it's two dudes, two cishet dudes, cis heteros, uh, heteronormative dudes. Talking to each other mm-hmm. and say and, and and greeting because it's not sexual. It is not sexual. It is not. We are just talking to each other. Right. So then, I might say, I really like your beard, and maybe I might reach out to stroke it. <laughs> Aaron, would that be weird if I did that to you? Listen, you know, uh, I'm a dude. I, I understand it's not sexual. Sometimes, you know, I just want somebody to stroke my hair, and if a dude, you know, that's fine. It just it makes me feel. <laughs> oh, God, it makes yeah. me feel just walking better. down the street. Sometimes, like Aaron's walking down the street, like a dude, like 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 grabs Aaron by his arm, like, "Hey yo, hey yo, son, hey yo, son, hey yo, son." Well, you get your hair did, son. <laughs> sometimes, and sometimes, they, and this one, they stroke my hair, and that's fine. I don't think it's an invasion of my personal space. I get it. He's just trying to know finer where I get my hair product from. Exactly. Network. Exactly. Like, like, is, is that coconut oil? <laughs> that's not like coconut oil. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you ladies are talking about. Sometimes people, men, sniff my hair all the time when I'm walking by. It's completely platonic, <laughs> social. And that- and that's the point. And so, like, I, I, I'm hoping for folks not to, uh, to, to look at it from that perspective and not from the perspective, like, it's not playing on the idea of homophobia. Cause, like, in all honesty, if two dudes want to do that, c- congratulations. If two dudes willingly do that with each other, great. 
Mazel tov. But I'm pretty sure, like, you have, like, people have to want it to happen, right, Amani? Like, is this, is yeah. that part of it? Do you want to want it? Yeah. That's Do you want it, Amani? Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about now. I'm a little bit frightened. Sorry. But yeah, I mean, the point is, is that, you were making a statement about how disingenuous it is when these guys who are complaining about needing to say hi to women on the street because they're just being polite and why can't women just be polite back? If you are, if you're, if the whole basis for you wanting to greet people on the street is politeness, cordialness. If you're not greeting everyone on the street, then I'm calling bullshit because normally the high you're saying hi because you're hoping it's going to lead to more. But dudes, we, don't, we, already, we already say hi to each other. We nod. So then nod to me and then keep it but, moving. But women don't like nods. Says who? I don't know. Some dude on on Twitter. Some dude says women don't like nods. I'm not even, look at my timeline. Oh, I'm not God kidding. Sakes. Like I, like I've heard the most ridiculous arguments over the past five days around why women have to deal with being harassed. And I, I can't like, and I, I think, like I said, I, I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think part of this is that I, I, as someone who is desperately needs to be left alone sometimes. Yeah. I, I, I I become angry at the concept that your feelings about my feelings are not important. Right. Like my feeling, you get to override what I need for you to leave me alone. And I think that's why I'm freaking out about this. When but women are being told flat out, one dude flat out said, I don't see a solution for this. And we said, actually, there's a real clear solution. Leave women alone. He goes, yeah, but I listen, listen, I live in the real world. That ain't going to happen. Free speech is real. Mm-hmm. Okay, what? Right. Like, what does free what? speech have to do with anything? I don't know. Nothing. Zero. Nada. My goal with this show is to inform, inspire, and activate listeners to push for positive change. With the support of listeners, I've been able to expand what we do here and make the show better over time. And the only way to continue doing that, to grow and improve, is with your support. I don't need a giant pile of money to run this show. I just need a steady, dependable stream of 5 and $10 monthly donations from people like you. For signing up, you'll also get access to special bonus content, including some behind-the-scenes stuff and more of my commentary. If you believe in the mission of this show as much as I do, please help it continue to grow and improve by becoming a member today. Details are on the membership page at bestofleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. You've reached the activism portion of today's show. Now that you're informed and angry, here's what you can do about it. Today's activism, stop street harassment. Now, this should be simple, right? I mean, a stranger walks past you on the sidewalk or is standing in front of you in line at the coffee shop or running for the bus or even gruggily walking their dog early in the morning. What do you do? How about nothing? Possibly, if you make eye contact in that way that humans sometimes do, you smile and you nod as the two of you go on your way. For more than 80% of women all over the world, this is not the typical experience. According to Stop Street Harassment, a nonprofit dedicated to documenting and ending gender-based street harassment worldwide, behavior ranging from demanding a person's smile to flashing to screaming to stalking are real daily parts of life. There is a compounding threat of gendered harassment for people of color and members of the LGBTQ community. A 2013 study of nearly 100 
100,000 LGBTQ people in the European Union found that half avoided public spaces because of a high level of fear in restaurants, parking lots, parks, etc. In the U.S., one quarter of women experience street harassment before their 12th birthday, and 90% report dealing with it regularly by age 19. It's simply unacceptable that more than half our population has to take evasive measures to feel safe in their daily lives. As we've shown on today's show, even if you're a guy who has totally benign motivations, after hearing and seeing what women go through, you might understand why you're, hey there, where you headed, would be met with caution and even fear. At StopStreetHarassment.org, you can find a comprehensive definition of street harassment as well as tools to raise awareness and work toward cultural change around the world. The board of directors explains why they devote time and resources to this issue. Quote, we believe that street harassment impedes gender equality and must be taken seriously. Because street harassment is often an invisible problem, especially to people in power, and it is dismissed as being a minor annoyance, a joke, or even the fault of the harassed person, our primary focus right now is simply to document the problem and demonstrate why it's a human rights violation that must be addressed, unquote. That power dynamic is the core component. A man yelling at a woman on the street is putting himself into her space without her permission and declaring that he can do so if and when he wants. The good news about this dynamic is that every man listening can do something super simple to help. Visit StopStreetHarassment.org to check your own behavior and take stock of the other men in your networks. It is much safer for you to call out a buddy than it is for the harassed person to try to do so. Also, and this is seriously advanced warning about anti-street harassment week which is happening in april the 12th through the 18th so mark your calendars now as you'll have no excuse to miss it between now and then you can share your story with stop street harassment volunteer your graphic design skills and report ads tv shows and other media that depicts harassment as a joke compliment or no big deal at all most of the asks at Stop Street Harassment's Join Us tab take less than 15 minutes. Certainly the basic humanity and safety of more than half the world's population is worth at least that. The segment notes include all of the links to this information as well as additional resources. And as always, this and every activism segment we produce is archived and organized under the activism tab at bestoftheleft.com. If basic civility matters to you, be sure to hit the share buttons to spread the word about Stop Street Harassment via social media so that others in your network can join in at making our culture safe for everyone. So let's get to this street harassment is is a big deal, but but not as big a deal as people are making it, which yeah. is, seems to be the the thrust of this op-ed. Yeah, th- that this fellow says too. So yes. just noteworthy that this is a a fellow saying, "Ladies, listen, I know that a lot of you are complaining about this street harassment, but 
it's not all bad. Yeah, so uh, the headline is the Everyday Sexism Campaign Risks Making All Sexual Advances Misogynist, in, in quotes. quotes. And the Everyday Sexism Campaign, they're on Twitter. I'm, I think that they have their own website. I follow them on Twitter, but I don't follow them super closely. It started in the UK, um, and, I, and I think that specifically Everyday Sexism is in the UK. This guy is... I think he's British. Maybe not, actually, because he spells his words with the O-U, but that's just a Guardian thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, if you follow Everyday Sexism on Twitter, they tweet examples of people going about their day-to-day lives. People tweet at them, and then Everyday Sexism retweets it, and it's people going about their everyday lives and experiencing street harassment. And what's just funny to know that when you read this guy's article, when he's like, it's not all bad, is that what you, I mean, if you go to Everyday Sexism Twitter right now and read it, it you will just be absolutely horrified. <laughs> it's just horrible. It's not like, you know, it's not like I was walking down the street and a guy said, like, hi, smile, which is happens all the time. Uh-uh. And it's not, not to dismiss when that happens, but like, you know, that is... I mean, we're talking about people grabbing people's legs, people saying, Ah. you know, people saying extremely graphic stuff to them, men saying extremely graphic stuff to women, being absolutely disgusting, like aggressive street harassment. And again, I'm not trying to put like a value judgment on street harassment. Having somebody tell you, hey, smile. Uh, might seem small, but when it happens every time you go outside, it's really... It's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, wait, I got it wrong. (laughs) It's really... It it really, really builds up. Um, And, uh, you know, the kind of... The whole point of addressing street harassment is even if it seems like something relatively minor as compared to somebody saying something super explicit and horrible to you, the whole point is that it makes women feel that when they are outside, they are being... They're not, you know, they're not safe. They're not uh, able to be left alone. They are constantly subject to the desires of men on the street who want to uh, say something sexual towards them. And this guy is just like, listen, (laughs) some of that stuff is definitely bad, but isn't feminism all about sexual liberation? And don't we not want, like, it's not like every time somebody says something sexual to somebody else, it's bad. And this should go away. Both, he says both genders, which I'm, you know, say all genders, don't say both genders. But uh, he's like, both genders should be able to say something sexual to other people. And then he, like, quotes Herbert Marcuse for some reason that I can't quite understand, basically saying that, like, capitalism restrains us from being able to be sexual, freely sexual, like, as we wish we could, which is, that's, like, that's fine, but it's kind of clunky in this as you know, yeah. you want to write, like, you want to, like, take some long textual examples from Herbert Marcuse and make an argument about capitalism and, like, sexual expression, sure, but he's just like, yeah, Capitalism puts restraints on us, and we should, like, abandon those restraints, baby. Yeah, free love, baby. <laughs> Why are you walking away? <laughs> hey, where are you going? <laughs> hey, sugar tits, where are you going? <laughs> hey, you want to read some Marcuse with me? And he's basically just like, so we should, you know, right, abandon these civilized restraints of capitalism so that we can and abandon them by bringing sexual communication into the realm of the public and open so on. Yeah, he says like there's there's one like specific line where he's like we should we should uh 
be free to make straightforward sexual advances or like we shouldn't we shouldn't be afraid of straightforward sexual advances something like that and he says sexual gratification pursued for its own sake is an activity that need take little or no account of uh concerns about patriarchy you know i this this poor guy he clearly <laughs> is like <laughs> Uh, you know, he he seems to understand that patriarchy is a thing. I think that being like feminists all want free love is like a just kind of dated and limited understanding. You know, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. He seems to want to live in a world where we can all just compliment each other slash be sexual towards each other whenever we want. And so he's saying, you know, it's not every time a guy says something sexual to a woman in public, that's not necessarily misogynist. He might just be being sexual and we should welcome that. And like the problem with that is that it just doesn't recognize like how power exists now. And, you know, maybe... Maybe he has a vision for a future world where patriarchy has been toppled and everybody walks the streets saying sexual things to each other all the time. <laughs> but Imagining utopia. <laughs> but, like, now for a guy to be like, you know, we must shed the restraints of capitalism by complimenting women in the streets and... As long as we're not being aggressive about it, then we're just, we're being, we're actually being feminist about it. And women don't seem to understand yeah. that. Yeah, it's actually an emancipatory act. Right. There's a big element of mansplanation going on there. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, I think that it's like what you said at the beginning. It's basically, if not entirely, a sort of straw man argument where a lot of what everyday sexism retweets is stuff that he that even that he says is like this is deplorable and and the argument that he's making no one's like equating sexuality or sexual advances with harassment on a like one-to-one right basis that's yeah. not what this is about absolutely and not. that seems like that's what his that's like what he's opposed to and i just think that what he's opposed to isn't what anyone's doing right yeah i think that that's that that's true yeah of course you're allowed to be out in public and see somebody and be like wow that person's hot you know to think that and i it, it's i mean i guess if you're riding the bus and you see a woman who's hot and you like the question is like what, what are you seeking to accomplish by communicating that to her are you trying to go on a date with her well then you know maybe there's a way for you to be like you know, what book are you reading? Or so you can start a conversation with somebody. You can initiate public interaction. Like, I know people who met on the subway, mm-hmm. uh, like, dating. I mean, it blows my mind to think about that, <laughs> but it, it can happen. But that's so different than what street harassment is, which is a guy saying nice legs when you're on the subway or nice smile or nice tits or whatever it is yeah or saying what are you reading and then asking another question afterwards and then doing anything that's not like explicitly sexual but just clearly like eh eh let's talk right let's talk that's also that's also bad right <laughs> right and yeah i feel like it just is the case that if you are explicitly sexual to a stranger if you are a man being explicitly sexual to a stranger who's a woman in public when she's not engaging with you like there is a power dynamic there it's not for, you know utopian free love there is a built-in set of histories and context there that that this 
guy at the Guardian is not interested in acknowledging. Yeah, well, and we talked about this. We had a, a you know, obviously we've talked about street harassment on the show a lot before, but I remember that that uh, we had a couple of listeners write in and be like, so when is it, like, is it okay to tell a bank teller that that's a nice shirt mm-hmm. or, like, her haircut is pretty or mm-hmm. whatever the hell? And I feel like, you know, to the extent that you don't want to be like, don't talk to strangers. Like that's that seems like a sort of not necessarily world we all want to live in. You just do have to acknowledge that if you start complimenting strangers, you're you're entering into like potentially murky territory. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that the, the main key is that if you are going to compliment a stranger in public, especially if you're a man complimenting a woman, and yes, it's broad strokes, uh, and it's uh, I don't think it's unfair, but it is a standard i think that applies to men that doesn't in a different way because male domination basically Mm -hmm. that if you are a man who's complimenting a woman in public again there's a history there that you have to be aware of and and if you really need to if you really are trying to pick up somebody on the bus you know i guess more power to you but again you have to do that in a way that recognizes and acknowledges and demonstrates that you recognize not just like in your head, yeah, I recognize that there's, <laughs> yeah. there's a history here, but I'm Rico Suave, so I'm fine. You have to demonstrate that you recognize that you are encroaching on someone's space, that you you exist in the context of millions of other people who are shittier than you, uh-huh. uh, who have also tried to talk, probably tried to talk to this person when they were trying to be alone in public and not be approached. So if you re- if you want to do it, then then you know it certainly can be done. Like I said, I know people who've met on the subway. I wish that I could be a fly on the wall to see how <laughs> yeah. it happened, but you know it is it is not something that is easily done. Yeah, and and I think that that this like that this this guardian piece is just sort of it's attacking a problem that doesn't exist, and and the problem of street harassment does exist. Right. So let's focus our attentions on that. Right. And not on like you feel like you're being shut down, or that somehow that that something about this uh, is like an anti-feminist project, which is basically what he concludes by the end of the piece. Right. The problem with, like, society right now isn't that men can't express their sexual feelings freely. (laughs) No, that is not the problem. (laughs) Society has a lot of problems. If that could fix all the problems... There is so much of that that if if it could, it would fix every problem. <laughs> it's just not the problem. And I, there's this thing where people are like, "Well, this, it's sure, this is bad, but we don't want it to go too far." Oh, what would go too far? That men have to like really think about how they behave in public. That's not the worst. That's I don't think that that's a danger. We should all be. Yeah, or, or like, yeah, like, what's too far? Like, that men can never hit on women in public. You know what? Let's aim towards that, because it's right. not going to happen. It's, yeah, right. That's just like, not going to happen. We're just, we're not going to ever be, the cultural taboo on street harassment is never going to be so strong that men can never hit on women in public. Right. And, and it, if we aim for that, we'll get towards a place where fewer men scream obscenities at women or even like say hey smile smile right. at women right and you know what is seems to never fail throughout human history is that when two people are attracted to each <laughs> yeah. other they'll figure it out right right yeah this is <laughs> a way where both of them have buy-in you know yeah yeah this campaign is not gonna 
like, we're not going to lose the species <laughs> because of this campaign. I wanted to call in in regards to the Sam Harris podcast, which is what it should have been called. It's more or less every single clip was about someone's response to the mischaracterization of Sam Harris's viewpoint. Now, I don't intentionally leave Bill Maher out of that, but to be honest with you, nobody really takes Bill Maher seriously as far as being a, uh, a student of studying religion and its effects on people. Bill Maher is an atheist, and he makes no bones about it, and that's fine. The podcast was really about Sam Harris's views and his statements, and with the exception of the first clip, there was really nothing from Sam Harris after that. It was just uh, a half dozen people, or even fewer, it was mostly just Michael Brooks and and Shane from the Young Turks, just kind of bashing this mischaracterization of what Sam said. And, you know, look, what's supposed to make liberals better than conservatives is this idea that we approach things openly and honestly, but the response and the blowback from what Sam Harris has had to say about this stuff is about as dogmatic as anything I've ever heard Sean Hannity say. People are just blindly against this, and, you know, and apparently on Jake's part, because he's afraid of being associated with Bill O'Reilly or, or accidentally agreeing with someone who's a conservative. You know, that's ridiculous. That's, that's the reason why liberals are going to have a hard time moving forward, because we are unable to openly discuss these things, to be honest with ourselves, and at least address the facts of the things that are going on. I don't know how many times Sam Harris has to say, I'm not talking about every Muslim on the planet when I say the next few things. Just because those next few things are harsh doesn't mean he's being dogmatic. Anyway, you do a great job with the show, and I hope that people will open up their minds to it. Thanks a lot. Hey, Jay, this is Dirk calling from Alameda, California. I want to follow up on the extremism episode and some of the comments that were left, specifically Greg's comments comparing uh, the Bill Maher perspective of all Muslims have this tendency versus Sam Harris, which is, oh, only some Muslims have this tendency. What's underlying Sam Harris's thinking is that belief acts like triggers to certain behaviors. So if you hold a particular belief, you are statistically more likely to act out in a particular way. And this is problematic for a number of reasons, not the least of which is it places a, a limitation on individual free will and doesn't take into account the fact that any individual belief that we hold exists within a complex of ideas and experiences and memories about the universe in which we live and the, you know, what has happened to us in our lives, all of which impact how we act on a particular belief. And he is from you know, a more analytic school of philosophy, which doesn't take into account the stories and the narratives that individual people tell about themselves and the things that they believe, which can vary differently, even if they hold the same single belief that you could find out about a particular poll. The other point I wanted to bring up deals with comments that Bill Maher made uh, in a following episode of his show when he was talking about his speaking at commencement at Berkeley. And one of the things that he says that I just want to hit quickly here, he says facetiously, 
oh, because Islam is a race, referring to people like Ben Affleck calling him racist. And it's true that Islam is not a race, but it's also true that Islam is treated like a race, especially within the United States, the same way we have stigmatized and attempted to classify uh, people by race. Now we're doing it based on religion, particularly Islam. So functionally, it works like a race, and his attitudes are racist in that way. Even just the idea that we could profile for Muslims suggests that, oh, there must be some sort of visible, identifiable characteristics of being a part of that religion. So even if it's not technically a race, functionally, it's a race, and it's treated like a race uh, within the United States the way that we've historically treated race. So those are my two points, and I do talk about all of these and a whole lot of other points in detail uh, on the new YouTube channel I set up called Religion for the Rest of Us. So if your listeners want to check it out, you can look for it or just go to whatiremember.com where you'll be able to find all those videos as well. Anyway, thanks, and keep up the good work. Hello, Jay, and best of luck. This is Dan Platt from All New York. I wanted to leave another call, perhaps a more concise message. The big problem that I see with Harris and Moore from my experience as being part of the secular movement for a rather long time, but slowly growing out of it because I started to realize that politics matter a little bit more, is that religion is the main problem, or rather, a dogmatic thinking. Because dogmatic thinking can come in all shapes and sizes. It can be political, it can be social, you know, just how some people are fundamentalists about markets, others can be fundamentalists about communism, others can be fundamentalists about their religion. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are many types of religion as well. So I wouldn't trade the experience I had in the secular movement for anything in terms of teaching me how to think critically. And that's something that all of us need to be doing. So down to that is that although it's very important to fight dogmatic thinking, which is what Harris does, and it's what he does well, as well as the rest of the new atheism, they do so alienating anyone else who thinks that critical thinking or fighting dogmatism is not the most important thing. If you think social issues are more important or economic issues are more important, that's kind of left out of the analysis because dogmatic thinking is only only some in the secular movement want to fight dogmatic thinking uh, in economics or society. Uh, most want to focus on the religious dogmatism. And that's kind of why I left, that it was rather limiting in that way. And it's why that there has been a kind of split but uh, in the secular movement between those that want to fight social justice issues, even economic justice issues, and those that don't. And that has been a very, very uh, thick um, conflict in those areas. In feminism, sexism, racism, white privilege, and so on. So there's a lot of intersecting circles and conflicts going on there. So I'll just leave it at that, and that's all intertwined with what is happening with Bill Maher and Sam Harris. Thank you very much.
Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make the show possible. Thanks to Katie Klobusik for all of her work on our social media outlets and activism segments. And thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment or question of your own to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. Now, I have unexpectedly good news, which is that I'm pretty sure I've solved this whole debate on uh, religion. Uh, I, I didn't know that was going to happen, but over the past couple of days, you know, I've put some more thought into it, been listening to the these voicemails that came in, had some conversations on Facebook, and I, I think I've nailed it. So I'll just tell you what the answer is. Uh, the core of the problem is that we are disagreeing on rhetoric. That's what we're actually disagreeing on. But what we think we are disagreeing on is substance. And so that it, the whole thing goes completely awry right out of the gate. So I'll try to explain. I, I heard from Javier. He sent in an email. We've heard from him before. Sometimes he calls. Sometimes he emails. Very thoughtful guy. Uh, so he said a couple of things that stuck out to me. The first was, the problem is that because Muslims are mostly moderate and a culture that needs to uh, needs respect and protection in the United States, I think that's key, that they need protection in the United States, we think that it's anti-liberal to push for them to reach that next level of secularity and moderate thought around the world. And I don't think that's quite on the right mark there, but I hear what he's saying. And the fact that they are essentially an oppressed minority in, in the United States, I mean, especially after 9-11, they're sort of hated here by a certain, uh, you know, constituency in the U.S. Uh, you know, the context of this entire conversation is that we've been at war with Muslim countries for decades now, and anti-Muslim sentiment has been very high since 9-11, and even before, I'm sure. So any anti-Muslim comments, either from terrible actually bigoted Islamophobes or people like Mar and Harris, who I don't think are like that, will be heard in that context. And so it's important to recognize the context in which these comments are being made. Uh, but Javier continues, and this is where I think he sort of nails it. He says, Mar routinely compares the Catholic Church to a pedophile ring and says that the Bible is not compatible with being a moderate Christian, but no one freaks out about that. It is really people's circuits frying because they cannot think, you know, on one hand, I need to protect minorities, and on the other, I need to uphold liberal values at the same time. So it so the way it sort of works out is that anyone who has negative views of a majority is a hero, and anyone with negative views of a minority is a bigot, even though the criticisms of the two are the exact same. So I, I think Javier pretty much nails it right there. He, he nails the problem that liberals have when processing this entire conversation. So when I hear the arguments made by Mar and Harris, my, my instinct is to think it's wrong to make that argument, but it's all too easy to conflate the idea that it's wrong to make the argument with the idea that that argument is wrong. Two completely different things. And so as Javier puts it, I think accidentally conflating those two things actually sort of fries liberal circuits, uh, mine included sometimes. So since there is this instinct telling us that the argument being made is bad for some reason that we're not quite sure of, we assume that the problem is 
with the substance. We assume that the substance of the argument must be flawed in some way. So we t try to attack it. You know, you're demonizing a billion people and they respond, no, we're not even demonizing the people at all. We're talking about the religion and the values of the religion itself, not the people. And you say, well, you know, you're, you're trying to say that all, uh, you know, Muslims are the same. And they say, no, like, look, we're looking at these stats and we're only talking about the ones who are actually sort of radical and actually have these really regressive beliefs. And you say, well, but it, it's racist to say things against it. And they're like, no, I mean, Islam is not even a race. And, you know, we're only talking about these facts anyways. So, no. So, you know, people making these arguments, you know, they're confronted with the fact that they're making an argument which isn't obviously flawed. It's not obviously bigoted. And yet we still have this gut feeling like, well, but they're wrong to make that argument. So we sort of at this point, I think a lot of people sort of give up in frustration and assume, well, I'm going to assume that they're still wrong and I'm still right, even though I can't quite explain why that is. And that's even more frustrating because as liberals, we are so used to being able to back up our opinions with facts that we get really frustrated and frustrated. So let's actually solve this thing. Uh, as I said in the beginning, we've been having the wrong argument entirely because, you know, we think we're having a substantive disagreement, but what we are actually having and what we should be having is a rhetorical and strategic disagreement. So rather than questioning the statistics about, you know, regressive beliefs held by some percentage of Muslims, we should actually be asking why is it so important to focus on the source of the bad ideas rather than simply focusing on the bad ideas themselves. So, you know, Muslims have already been thoroughly dehumanized in, a, in the, sort of the broad American psyche for decades, uh, mostly because of the wars we've been fighting, attacking Islam as the most violent or the most regress regressive or the most reactionary religion in the world, even if that is true, carries the danger of further stoking hatred against Muslims, which could lead to things like hate crimes against innocent Muslims, uh, that's on the micro level, and further actual wars against Muslim countries on the macro level. So the new atheist response to that would be that, hey, you know, we're not going to censor ourselves just because some actual bigots may take these factual statements about Islam as an excuse to continue their bigotry or act out in violence or whatever. You know, we're not going to censor ourselves. We're just going to say what we see. We're going to call it the way we see it. And again, I actually agree with that in principle, just not as a rhetorical strategy for actually accomplishing what we all say we want to accomplish. So let's actually forget the Islamophobic bigots for a second. You know, if you want to reach out to the moderate Muslims and work with them and help bring the regressive side of the Islamic world into the modern age, as Sam Harris claims he wants to do— then is it strategically wise to refer to Islam, you know, generally as the mother load of bad ideas, like and all of the other things he said? But even if you can make a very compelling argument for why that's true, that is definitely not best practices for how to win friends and influence people. You know, to me, the bad ideas are the actual source of the problem. So, like, for example. Some people think that gay people shouldn't get married, and they have those beliefs because 
of their religion. And other people think that gay people shouldn't be married and it has nothing to do with their religious beliefs, whether they have any or not. And they just have some like weird ick factor against gays. And so they just think like, well, that just shouldn't exist and we shouldn't promote it or legalize it or whatever. So what's actually creating the oppressive policy here? The religious beliefs, the undefined ick factor, or is it simply the bad idea itself, regardless of how the individuals came to hold that bad idea? And you, you can do this sort of thought experiment with a slightly different angle. Take two Christians. One believes that we were given the earth by God as a gift to use as we see fit, which means that we should drill as much oil as possible because look how great it is. While another believes that the earth is a gift from God that we are meant to protect, which means that we should do as little environmental damage as possible. You know, again, the ideas are what matter here. You know, where the ideas came from becomes essentially irrelevant. So the fact is, it is much easier to get a person to believe in a more moderate and progressive version of their religion than to give up their religion entirely. So it may feel good to call things the way you see them and not censor yourself, but strategically speaking, if you want to actually make the world a more progressive place, then going after regressive ideas is going to be a much more effective uh, strategy than going after a person's religion. I mean, it, it seems like this should be obvious to just about anyone who's ever met a human before. Like, we should know by now that attacking people's core beliefs like their religion is only going to make them dig in their heels more and, and not come to your way of thinking. So, you know, what I said before about Mar and Harris being condescending assholes is actually more relevant than even I realized at first. You know, I, I was right to point out that being an asshole does not make you wrong on the substance, but it turns out that it is a big factor in what strategy you choose when trying to win hearts and minds and actually help change an entire culture. So I'm sure that's solved it and there'll be no more confusion or disagreement going forward. So that's a relief. That is going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations as that is absolutely how the program survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it, leaving glowing reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, and by donating your accounts at donateyouraccount.com slash bestofleft. Stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter and for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information can always be found in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every Tuesday and Friday, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. And it's a cry and shame How we get so trained We can't see past Stories and wonder what we're missing. We can't see past our sad stories and forget how to listen. We can't see past our sad stories and.